0: All right, come on, let's give God one more huge shout of praise this morning. Amen, amen. Amen. This is so good to see you here with us today. My name is Aaron, I'm the lead pastor here. And you are meeting us right here in our encounter series where we're looking through Luke chapter 5 at just some of these incredible encounters with Jesus and how these encounters are just radically, radically changing changing people's lives. And so today we're going to be stepping into Luke chapter 5. And before we we get to the Word, I just want to share with you just a little bit of a story. Now, the story I'm just going to preface is that this isn't necessarily the happiest story that you've ever heard. But I just want you to know that how the story begins is not how the story ends. That even though we may begin with a certain tone, that isn't how we'll end today. So as we just share this story, I just want to provide that little glimpse of hope today. And maybe today you've already experienced that hope even in your own life, that how your story began is not how your story is going to end. And so today we're going to just have some fun with this Luke chapter 5, but I want to begin with this story. So this story is about a man. He's in his mid-30s. He's got two dads, or two, not two dads. He's got two kids. (laughs) He's got a good job. He's got got a wife that he loves, a wife that he cares for. And man, their life is just on the up. They've been planning and building this home. And right now they're currently you know, living with the, with the in-laws, just trying to save a little bit of money and just trying to prepare for just a little bit of a better future. But the husband, he's hustling, he's working, he's doing everything in his power to provide for his family and to provide for them a better future. Well, one day he notices as he's working that there's a little blister that begins, to, that begins to form on his hand. And as he sees the blister, he notices that it's not real painful, but it's there. And, but he actually notices that it's actually preventing him from actually doing the work that he needs to do. And so he just kind of watches it for, for a couple of days. And over the course of a couple of days, the the spot actually begins to get a little bit bigger. It actually begins to form this white ring around it. And he begins to then even not even be able to work and to fulfill the jobs that he has. And at this point in the story, he actually tells his wife, he says, honey, I've got I've got something that's just not quite right. I've got something that's, that's on my hand. I'm not sure what it is. It's been there for a few days. And the wife, she says, well, let's go get it checked out. Every husband in the room is like, nah, I'll be all right. And so he lets it go just a couple more weeks. But the thing that continues to happen is that it actually just continues to get worse. What he thought was maybe just a blister that would one day heal and go away is actually beginning to spread across his whole body and for reasons that he can't even explain nor can he define. And so at this point, he decides, he says, it's time for us to go see a specialist. They don't necessarily go to a doctor, but they go to a specialist that specializes in skin infections. And upon examination, upon looking at what is happening, the, the specialist, he becomes a little bit more concerned. He actually says, you know what, we need to just observe this a little bit longer. And so he says, I actually am going to send your wife home, but I want you to stay with me for the next couple of weeks. And we're just going to observe and we're just going to watch and see what this hap- see what happens over the course of the next few weeks. Will it get better or will it continue to get worse? And he's studying, he's reading, he's talking about their family history, he's looking at all other diagnoses that have happened in the family's past, and he continues to just seek and to search what is going on in this man's life. Well, over the course of two weeks, it continues to worsen. It continues to spread. The side effects continue to take its toll on this man to where what started as something very, very small has now continued to spread and consume his body. And so it is in this moment that that the specialist has a realization of what is happening. And he sits the man down and he says, I think I know what you have. And what I'm about to tell you is not good news, but actually it's about to radically, radically change your life. Some of you today know exactly what this feeling is like. Maybe you've had a diagnosis that was unexpected, where you go into just maybe a normal checkup, but yet find that you actually have something that is much larger happening inside of you that you had no idea about. And you're actually presented with some of the most terrible news that you could ever imagine. Imagine being diagnosed with cancer all of a sudden. Imagine what that would feel like. But with this man, it wasn't actually cancer, it was actually leprosy. So this man was being diagnosed by the specialist and saying, I believe that you have leprosy. Now, to us in the room, this is something that we don't really know a whole lot about. This is something that we don't see or randomly run into people like, oh, you have leprosy. No, this is actually something that is now extremely, extremely uncommon. But back then, it was actually very, very prevalent in this time that this man was living. But the specialist, he begins to speak further and further into what this means. And the guy is hearing these words, but he's already comprehending what this means for his future and for his life because he's already seen those around him or have gone before him who have leprosy and what this meant for him. Let me just share with you just a little bit about what leprosy means was like. Leprosy was a dreadful disease. Most people think that leprosy causes your skin to literally rot and fall off your body, but that isn't always the case. There are actually numerous forms of leprosy, but the common form which most are familiar with is a disease that causes damage to the body's nervous system. As a result, leprosy simply causes you to not be able to feel anything. Leprosy may eventually cause your whole body to go numb. You see, when someone is blind, they cannot see. When someone is deaf, they cannot hear. But when someone has leprosy, they cannot feel. They are infected. The infected parts of their body goes numb and eventually loses all sensitivity. And this nerve damage can lead, can lead to, to this dangerous loss of feeling, It comes also with inflation, distortion of your face, and ulcers eventually beginning to pop up all over your body, hair loss, and even the loss of limbs at extreme cases. And if that all wasn't just traumatic enough, as he begins to explain what this diagnosis means, but he actually begins to explain what this diagnosis means for your life. He says, you actually can't go back home. Said, right now, we're about to take you and escort you outside of the camp, outside of the city, to where other lepers are living. And said, so not only that, but you have to now actually, every time that somebody comes close to you that is healthy, you have to proclaim these words unclean, unclean, as if to continue to profess what is happening within you. And all of these things aren't just things that the specialists made up, but these were the written laws for lepers. There was no choice. There was no just being able to try to work through this. And most importantly, there was no cure. He was essentially ostracized from the community. And then to make matters even worse is that during this time, if you had leprosy, it was actually seen as a sign of God's condemnation on you. So you have leprosy because you have done something wrong or because of a sin in your life. And so the religious leaders, whenever they looked at you with leprosy, it was not with empathy nor with compassion, but they were actually reviled them. They looked down upon them and they almost just rejoiced that God had condemned you for your sin. That's what the man was experiencing are you happy you came to church today to get to hear such a beautiful, beautiful story? What's worse, this man, he can never hold his wife again. You can imagine this man, he can never wrestle with his boys again. This man was now sent outside of the comforts of his home into the wild outside of the camp and basically depended the rest of his life upon the charity and the goodness of those in the city or as long as his wife could continue to provide for him. This is the situation of this man. This is the story that we are talking about. And as he is entering into the the camp, what is even worse is now he is beginning to see his future all around him. He's beginning to see other lepers and the greater distortion to their face, the greater loss of, of maybe even potentially their limbs. And he begins to see all around him what his future looks like. And to be honest, he's probably thinking in himself that there's probably just some days that I wish that I could just die. And up to this point now, he has continued to live in this encampment for some time. And throughout that time, he has tried every cure possible to man. Every like essential oil that is known to man, he has tried. Every cure that somebody has put into that says, hey, this may work. He's tried everything, everything within his power to try to cure him. But yet he has found no cure. He feels separated from everyone. Even God seemed at a distance so he had no access to worship, no access to scriptures, and even his prayers seemed to go unheard. And there's this realization that whenever you look at this story and look at this man, it said it wasn't even the kind of disease he had, but it was the kind of disease that had him. You see, he was not a husband, father, neighbor with leprosy. He was a leper. See, from that point on, that was all anyone needed to know about him. This, my friends, is just a little glimpse into the plight of what it meant to be a leper. So through no fault of their own, they had this, this, been infected with bacteria that disfigures them, completely causing damage to organs, eyes, limbs, nerves. Because of the fear of contaminating others, lepers were considered unclean, were not allowed to be in contact with others, because of their disfigurement, they were terrible to look at and cover themselves even from their own eyes. They were separated socially, psychologically, spiritually, and emotionally from others, forced to live on the outer edge of society. And they could not be with their families or pray with the community. They were cast aside to watch the disease progressively erode their physical selves. It would be highly, highly unlikely that anybody in this room has fully experienced what this man is experiencing. I highly doubt that anybody in this room can say, yes, I had leprosy just a few years ago. It's so uncommon. But even yet in today's society, we would be able to go to a doctor and he would be able to give us a cure for leprosy. But the connection that I want to make is that even though you may not fully be able to empathize with this leper, I believe that there are parts of his life and parts of his situations that we can all connect with. You see, maybe today you, like the leper, are in incredible, incredible need. That maybe you have been praying for something for months, even years, with no breakthrough. That maybe you as well have been had this diagnosis that you're like, I don't know what to do with this. I did not expect this. I did not see this coming you have found yourself and your life completely changed and now with this incredible cry for a need or maybe you find yourself just in this situation of life right now without hope see the leper he had no hope there was no hope no cure and so maybe today this is where you find yourself whatever your situation is whatever has been going on you don't see how it will end And so you feel the overwhelming weight of hopelessness. Or maybe you can connect with this isolation. I believe so strongly that what the enemy wants to do with those in the church is to isolate you. And maybe that isolation comes from family. Maybe the isolation comes from friends or maybe that just comes directly from society. Whatever it may be, maybe today you feel alone. Maybe today you feel isolated. And maybe today you feel like even your prayers to God are not heard and that God isn't even near. Or maybe today you connect with this man that you feel consumed. And consumed by what? We see in the story, he was consumed by leprosy. Leprosy was a direct correlation to sin in that time. And maybe today in your own life, what what started out as just a small little sin has now continued to progress and to grow and has now consumed your very life, your very marriage, your very being, and is now wreaking havoc on your life. See, I don't believe that any of us can connect fully, but I believe that there are moments in his story and in his life where we can find that place of connection. Now, with that being said, we are not here to just leave you with that. You see, the gospel and what we proclaim here is good news. You see, how his story began is not how his story ends. And today, I want to show you that. We're going to be in Luke chapter 5. And here's what I want to tell you. I want to tell you exactly where we're going with this. Tell you exactly where we're going. See, today, I want to show you that those who are marginalized those who feel outside the camp, those who identify themselves as outcasts, those that connect with the leper in some way. Listen, there is hope today because you can encounter Jesus' willingness, his compassion, and his ability to heal and to save. This leper, as we read, is a great example of how we should all come to Jesus for healing in our lives. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 5. We're going to be picking up in verse 12. It says in verse 12, While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. Now this is talking in verse 12. While he was in one of the cities, this he is being, this is Jesus. See, at this time, Jesus' ministry has continued to spread all throughout Galilee. He has continued to do miracles upon miracles. He begins to continue to do healings. He's teaching some incredible words. And people are gathering. People are flocking to him. And here's what you can imagine is that this leper begins to hear that Jesus is coming through his town. That Jesus is also not only hearing that he's coming, or this man is hearing that not only is Jesus coming from his town, but he's also hearing what Jesus has done. And you can imagine for years he has experienced no hope but he begins to have this connection point that maybe, just maybe, if Jesus can do it for them then maybe he can do it for me. And it says that this man was full of leprosy so this isn't just this illusion that it was early stages but we can see this was an onset of leprosy that has been consuming his life. He was full of leprosy. And you can see that he now is seeking and searching for Jesus. I'm just going to make one other note here. Here's what's incredible about this story is that we only hear of one leper. You can imagine that he was surrounded by other lepers who heard the same word, that heard the same same hope, that heard of this man named Jesus, but we actually see within our story that there's only one leper who comes to find Jesus. And I'm just doing a little sidebar here. I believe that's a direct connection to where we are today. You see, each and every single one of us in the room, even though there may be many of us, is that you have to make that decision to willingly come after Jesus. We're going to continue to get to that in the scripture, but I just want to show to you there's only one. There's only one that says, I'm tired of my life being consumed by this disease. I'm tired of being away from my family. I have no other hope. I have tried everything that the world has to offer. Now, if anything, I will try and see if this man is willing to heal me. And so you got to imagine is how he has left the camp and he is actually pursuing Jesus at this point. And you can imagine there's a crowd all around Jesus. You ever seen like that one person, like like as a king comes in, the crowd just begins to part? You know, like in the movies? Imagine that, but in a very, very different context. Because as he approaches the crowd, here's what he has to say. You remember those words? Unclean, unclean. And he shouts it over and over, and horror fills the crowd's hearts and minds, because now they are looking and searching, where is the leper among us? And so they are parting, they are moving, and then they identify him because of the rags that are covering his face, because of his clothing, because of the distortion to his body. They are easily able to identify him, but they spread. They move away. The law required they be at least six feet away from a leopard. If you were downwind, they said even up to 150 feet. But here's what's incredible. While the crowd ran away, while the crowd fought to find their distance, here's what you don't find. Jesus didn't move. Jesus begins to probably hear those words unclean while everybody else is scattering. Everyone else is moving around you. Jesus stands still. And here's what the leper proclaims to him. If we continue on in verse 12, it says, and when Jesus saw, or when he saw Jesus, and it would have been easy to identify him because he's the only one that isn't turning away. He fell on his face and begged him. He said, Lord, if you will, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Now these words, as he speaks, him probably even surprised himself. If you are willing, you can make me clean. If you're always like, what did I just say? You see, the statement is also is so peculiar because in a time where there was little to no hope for the leper, it was not a question of if Jesus could, but it was a question of if Jesus would. It was not a question of if Jesus could, but rather if Jesus would. See, he believes somehow within him that Jesus could cleanse him, that Jesus could purify him from the inside out to remove the affirmity, to restore him back into society. He believes this. This is insane, but he produces this question, though, Lord, if you are willing. If you are willing. And then something very strange happens. Jesus comes closer. Jesus comes closer to the man that he's supposed to, by law, stay six feet apart. And Jesus begins to move towards the leper. And every step he takes, you can imagine the leper continues to back away. Unclean, Jesus, unclean. I'm unclean. Jesus, stay away. And with every word that he says, he moves closer. He moves closer and closer. Until all of a sudden, this man sees something different in Jesus' eyes. He sees something that he has never seen from another human in many, many years. You see, he doesn't see loathing in Jesus' eyes. He sees concern. He doesn't see fear. He sees sympathy. He doesn't see rejection. He sees love. And if we notice here in the story that as Jesus continues to move towards the leper, this is crazy because while everybody else is moving away or is trying to send him outside the camp, Jesus is consciously moving closer and closer. And we see in verse 13. In verse 13, get ready for it. It says, And Jesus stretched out his hand, And touched him, saying, I will be clean. Imagine this. Imagine this. Jesus could have proclaimed the words to this man, be clean. We see with the with the healing of the centurion, the centurion servants, that, that centurion servants was actually miles and miles away and he was able to proclaim healing to him. But Jesus does something incredible, is that he moves closer and closer to the leper as he continues to bow down before him. And he says, if you will you can make me clean, and then Jesus, he crosses all boundaries, he crosses all cultural norms, and he goes to the one that should not be touched, and he touches him, and he says these incredible words, I will be clean. Now what's incredible is that this is probably the first time he's ever been touched in many, many years. And as he begins to feel the touch, he's probably overwhelmed, but like, I can't even believe that Jesus is touching me. But not only is he overwhelmed at the physical touch, but then he also is overwhelmed by the physical healing that begins to take place in his body. As he was once now covered with ulcers and sores, now he begins to feel for the first time his fingertips. And as, as the feeling begins to go over his body, he now can feel his face and he can feel his nose and he can feel his lips. And he can begin to sense that all throughout his body, you got to watch this, that he's not just healed, but he's cleansed. You see, he doesn't just say, be healed. He says, be clean." And so many of us, what we are seeking is is healing from our physical ailments or our physical situations. But what Jesus proclaims in this word is not healing, but ultimate cleansing mind, soul, body, complete and total, full cleansing. This is incredible. This is insane. And you can imagine how does the man respond? How does the man respond in this moment? He is now clean. He is now healed. Can any of you like shout? Can any of you like really, Matt, can you like really shout? Ow. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I'm not sure what that was, but that's, that may be how he did it. I don't know. That may be how he did it. But you can imagine, right? You imagine for years being an outcast. You imagine for years being sent outside the camp. You imagine for years being the untouchable. You imagine for years not feeling God's presence. You imagine for years not having any hope. But in a moment, but in a moment being completely and totally restored. That is unbelievable. But this is what we see and this is what we hear. And for us today, this is incredible, incredible good news. But we got to finish the story. We're not done yet. We're not done yet. As we continue on in verse 14, it says, and he charged him to tell no one. I think that's hilarious. I'm like, can you imagine? Or maybe today, this may be a lesson for every single one of us. Maybe today you forgot how Jesus has cleansed you and restored you. You see, this man, he told everybody. How could he not? Jesus specifically told him not to. I don't really, you know, that's kind of a fun conversation to have. There's some fun, you know, definitely diving into some commentaries, getting to see why he've done that. There's definitely some interpretations for that. But I'm just I'm just connecting with that guy. If Jesus has completely cleansed me of leprosy that I have been dealing with for years and years, I'm telling everybody. I'm telling everybody. And maybe today that's a challenge for you. How has Jesus cleansed you? Who are you telling about? It's incredible cleansing. But we continue on. He says, go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing. Once again, it's incredible. Jesus then goes back to the law, the law that he had just broke to then to to touch the untouchable. But he goes back to the law and he says, go to the priest and offer for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. And this priest, he would have went, he would have went to Leviticus 14. And you know what? There would have been a lot of dust on that chapter. A lot of dust on that chapter. Because you know how few people would have been healed of leprosy at that time? Very, very few. And so the priest, he goes to the priest, and you can imagine the shock. Probably recognized him at some point in his life, but now he is seeing him cleaned and now restored. And in verse 15 it says, But now even more the report about him went abroad. And great crowds gather to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he will withdraw to desolate places and pray. Today I want to go back to where I told you we would go. I wanted to share that incredible story. And here's what I want us to do is that I want you to see today that we find these three incredible aspects of who Jesus is, of his character, that I believe will connect with each and every single one of us in the room, in whatever situation that we are going through. And here's what I want to proclaim to you today. The number one, what we see from this text is that Jesus is willing. Jesus is willing. Jesus is willing to cleanse you. Jesus is willing to heal you. Jesus is willing to save you. But as I began to just see that throughout the text, here was the biggest question that I began to wrestle with. But are we willing to come to him? Are we willing to come to him? And I began to wrestle with this. What is it that keeps us in the world from coming to Jesus? Why is it so hard for us to ask Jesus for help? And here's just a few things that I've experienced in my own life. And maybe you will see these as well. The first one that I began to wrestle with is shame and guilt. Whatever happens in secret, let's keep it in secret. Whatever I'm struggling with in secret, let's keep it in secret. Because I know if I bring it to the life, what society has told me is that there's nothing but shame and guilt. And so maybe that's the problem today that you're struggling with right now, is that what you are dealing with, what is consuming you, is that there is shame and guilt that is surrounding you, that is keeping you from being willing to go to Jesus. I believe that's one of the struggles that I've had. And the second one is pride. Listen, man, here's what we say. I want to do it on my own. I am strong. I want to do this. I want to beat whatever I'm going through. I want to fight this thing. I want to win. I know I can. I believe I can. I believe in the strength within me. There's a pride that overwhelms us of this sense that we can't ask for help or that we shouldn't ask for help because we're supposed to do it ourselves. I get to learn this incredible truth from a three-year-old. We're in the process right now of trying to get him to put his own clothes on. Praise God. It's incredible. But man, is it a journey. So we get to the shoes, and he gets really excited to be able to put his own shoes on. And I'll get him, like, left and right. And I'll get him all lined up, and I'll kind of pull the tongue open. And then I'll just begin to support him and help him. And let me tell you something. It all breaks loose. He's like, no, no. And then he just starts to well. And the scripture's like, okay, i was just going to help. He's like, no, I can do it. No, I can do it. And he will struggle for like five minutes just putting on these shoes. And I'm like, good Lord, son, it's time to go. You know what I mean? In those moments, all the parents, you know what I mean? But there's just something within his three-year-old self that just says, I need to do this. Or I want to do this. And here's what I've found throughout my life is that, listen, that's with a three-year-old. You think that just goes away over time? No. It gets worse and worse and worse. Because here's why. Here's why. As you get older, you think you get wiser. That as you get older, you you get more dependent upon yourself than you are dependent upon others. That as you get older, you continue to pursue your life in a certain way, in a particular agenda, in a particular way. And so this fight to continue to live out of the pride of our life just becomes more and more who we are. And what the pride does is that it keeps us from being willing to come to Jesus. I've got one more note on this within my own life is that some today is that it's rejection. See, there's there's a difference between I don't want your help versus I don't need help. You understand what I'm saying? Like there's a difference between I don't want help to where I don't need help. And this is where I believe so many of us live before you definitely even come to the realization of who Jesus is, is that you live your life on the basis that I don't need help. That I'm actually a really good person. I don't even need God's grace. I don't even need God's salvation. You begin to just see that you don't need Him. And so why, why do you not accept His willingness? It's because you are rejecting it consciously. And so these three things we see, though, go right up against, right up against it. And so I begin to begin this question, this, this scriptures that Jesus is willing, but we go back to that same question, are we willing to come to him? I understand it's hard to ask for help. I understand that we all have places in our lives that we may just want to keep hidden, but Jesus, if you see this clearly today, that Jesus does not hesitate, nor does Jesus draw back. But we see that Jesus comes forward to the leopard, crosses the boundaries, crosses his shame, crosses his guilt, crosses his pride to touch him. And here's where I wanna show you as well is that not only is Jesus willing, but Jesus is compassionate. See, it's common for people to doubt the love of God more than his power. See, you grow up with this understanding in Carter County that God is the creator of the heavens and the earths. We get a rope with this saying that God can, that God can. And it's easier for you to believe that God can than it is for you to believe that God can even love you. See, it's much harder for you because of guilt, shame, because of your past, because of whatever situation you're going through. There is a sense within you that God will not accept you, that God will not receive you. You doubt His love. You see, notice the leper did not doubt Jesus' power, but questioned his will. Not if he could, but if he would. He's compassionate. He's compassionate. This past week, really over the past two days, we had a traumatic, traumatic event happen in our neighborhood. We had a new family that had just moved onto the street just a few houses over less than a year ago. They had decided to retire to Carter County, to Grayson, Kentucky. I'm like, amen, let's go. And they came to Grayson, Kentucky, and they had family local, and they had some beautiful grandbabies, and, and we've just got to know them, we've got to connect with them. Well, on Friday night, this couple's life is radically, radically changed. What started out as a normal day ended extremely tragic. And in the last few moments, Of that day, it was about four o'clock, we began to see an ambulance come on the scene. And what the wife was experiencing in that moment was something that she will never forget, something that she'll always hang on to and something she'll always struggle with. On that day, her husband had a massive heart attack. And for over four hours, they spent... They spent the ambulance and the doctor spent time trying to bring him back, trying to continue to get his pulse to continue to go, to get the heartbeat, to get life back in his bone. But tragically, he passed away late that night. And me and my father in law, we were there on the scene as the ambulance were coming in, and we can still feel the weight of that moment today. You can still feel it. We were there with the wife as they were working on him in the ambulance. Just begin to feel the weight of the moment. Begin to proclaim these prayers. Lord, if you're willing, you can. Lord, if you're willing, you can. Over and over and over. I prayed it. I prayed it. I prayed it. Lord, if you're willing, you can. I don't understand why he doesn't sometimes. You understand? I don't understand why he doesn't sometimes. Those are still the questions that you may be facing today. It's definitely the question I've been facing for the last 24 hours. God, why, why didn't you? God, why didn't you? Why didn't you? I know you can. Lord, why wouldn't you just win? Maybe that's a question that you've been wrestling with for many, many years with God. Maybe you've still been seeking and searching for that answer. But in that moment, I really struggle. I just want to be honest there. And we continue to believe, yes, that God has a plan, that God has a purpose. And sometimes it's just hard for us to understand. But in this moment, I was like, God, I just don't understand. Because I said, God, you're willing. If you're willing, you can. Well, we go Saturday and, you know, my father-in-law, he just began to just have just this heart of compassion that, that just was exemplified on Saturday. And he said, we got to do something for the family. And he said, we're in Carter County. You only do one thing. You know, you buy a meal. You know what I mean? You buy a good meal, a big meal, enough to feed 30, even if there's only five. And so that's what he did. He said, you know what, let's provide a meal and we're gonna get a good meal for this family. And so he just began to send a text out to all of the other neighbors and one replied. And then before you know it, we had the whole neighborhood saying, yes, yes, we'd love to help out. We'd love to just do anything that we can. Let's chip in and buy this meal. And I believe that that was just an incredible moment that allowed my father-in-law to move in a way that I never would have imagined. So my father-in-law, went to the home. I went to the home, that's where you've seen the son. Of the, his dad had just passed away. And my father-in-law, does something beautiful. He goes up to the son and he says, I know exactly what you're going through. He said, just a few years ago, I lost my father completely unexpected. He was gone too soon. We had all sorts of other hopes and plans for our life together, but but he was taken from us way too soon. He said, but I know exactly what you're feeling. And he touched him. And he touched the brother. Or he touched the son. He touched the son. You understand that? And in the moment, he just began to share with him. He's like, I know what you're feeling. I know what you're going through. And in the moment, he began to share with him just this incredible compassion. And empathy with him. I empathize with what you are going through. I understand what your struggles are. I understand the pain that you're feeling. I understand the questioning that you have. And here's what I want to connect with you is that Jesus is doing the same thing in this text. And this is showing that Jesus is compassionate, that Jesus knows what you are going through, that Jesus, he does feel your pain, that Jesus, he does feel your suffering, and he is extending his hand out in the same way to each and every one of us with a gentle touch. a gentle reminder that he is willing that he understands what you are going through and then the last one I want to proclaim is that he is able he is able the last part of our scripture here what we see come to life is that Jesus is able I wrote in this I was like man this is tough I was like you know what you're not able I was like saying this to myself. I was like, Aaron, you know what? Jesus is the only one that's able and you're not able. And I just wanted to proclaim that over our church today is that whatever you're going through, whatever struggle that you have, whatever connection that you have with the leper, it's the same story that you're not able. You've tried it. I know you have. You know you have. You're not able. And so we see. So how did the leper enter into the story? Let's go back to where we started. He knew how terrible this problem was. He knew most everyone thought his condition was hopeless. He had no one who could, who would or could take him to Jesus. He had no previous example of Jesus as healing a leper to give him hope. He had no promise that Jesus would heal him. He had no invitation from Jesus or the other disciples. He must have felt ashamed and alone in the crowd. But nevertheless, the leper came to Jesus by himself, despite these many discouragements. He said, I've tried everything else in the world. I'm resolved to try today. And here's what I want to encourage you with. Is that this is the incredible good news of the gospel that we have shared today. That today's gospel proclaims that the good news that we have, that like the leper, if we are willing to bow down before Jesus, to bow down before the Lord and acknowledge that He alone has the power to cure us, He alone has the power to heal us, cleanse us, He can set us free. And so I want to proclaim today that even though Jesus may be willing, that Jesus may be compassionate, and that Jesus is able, it all comes to this. Are you willing to come to him? Are you willing to come to him? He's there. He's willing. He's compassionate. He's able. But Are you willing to come to him? With all heads bowed bowed and all eyes closed, I just want to give you just a few closing thoughts. You see, you knew how tragic that the story began in the beginning. But after his encounter with Jesus, the man, he was restored. He was cleansed of his disease that separated him, that was overtaking him, that left him without hope. He was restored back to his family. He was restored back to his kids. He was restored back to society, but most importantly, back to God. See, Jesus, he came to proclaim the kingdom of God and miracles of healing and deliverance. Were the physical manifestations of his kingdom. We can read and hear this story today and to have this connection with the leper. And Jesus gives us his word today so that we may have hope that if he can do it for the leper, then he can do it for us. These were works of outward restoration and accompanying works on inner restoration happening through his ministry. People were turning from lives of darkness to fellowship with the living God, and he offers the same for you today. That this same cleansing that Jesus offers, the leper, he offers us today, cleansing from our sin that ultimately separates us from him. See, the leper, he exhibited, though, incredible, incredible faith. And this is where it begins, that Jesus can. Do you believe today that Jesus can And then from this, he acknowledged his dependence on the will of Jesus in order to be healed. Do you depend today upon the will of Jesus in your life? And his faith is not mere intellectual trust or a mere attitude, but it expresses itself in the intent to get near Jesus. And this is what I want to proclaim to you today. So every single one of us must come with the intent to get close to him. The gospel message is that Jesus, he touched this leopard. He healed this leopard. But for each and every single one of us within the sin that we have in our lives, Jesus died on a cross for my sins and your sins. But the story doesn't end there. He actually got out of the grave three days later, conquered death, conquered sin. For both you and me, we didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it, but his grace was poured out upon us. And that same grace has been poured out to you today. And you can receive it today in faith just like the leper did. Jesus is willing, he is compassionate, and he is able. And today I want to encourage you, if you have made that decision to put your faith and trust in Jesus, we want to celebrate that with you. We have a prayer team that will be up here at the front that would love to connect with you would love to have a conversation and help you on this journey and this decision that you have just made. Dear Father, we are thankful today for your word. And Lord, we are just so thankful that you are so willing to save us. Lord, that you understand our situations, you understand our circumstances, God. And Lord, that you are able, that you are able God, that you have the power to do all things today. and We trust and believe that you are making a move in someone's life today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.